welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about careers in this industry, specifically how to get into it and how to advance. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we are joined by CISO Aaron Katz. Aaron, how are you this morning? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Start of the day. It's not Friday, it's Thursday, but it's getting like it's almost close to the weekend and it's a nice fall day here in New England. So we're excited. Same here. It's not raining. I'll take it. Well, fantastic. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your career and how you ended up in uh, cybersecurity. So I started my career in cybersecurity right at the beginning. And the way I got into it was in high school, we had some laptops, built websites, and my website ended up hacked and started selling Viagra because that was the flavor of the day when websites were hacked. And my first thought was, how do I do this to my friend? And that got me learning a little bit more. How did websites work? How did someone do that to me? How do I do it to my friend? And when I went to college, I studied business information systems and classical languages and literatures. Not the most traditional approach, but I worked with our business school to actually create a class on hacking Linux systems. And they still teach it to this day. I actually did some guest lectures there a few times, and it was really fun. But I didn't know that this was really a career. So when I left college, I was doing technology consulting. I worked for a major consulting firm, did architecture reviews, policy design. And then I found out they had a group that did penetration testing. I cornered the leader of that group and I said, I know a lot of stuff hypothetically. Obviously, I haven't done much practically because I didn't want to get in trouble with the law. But I said, give me a chance. Let me learn. Let me shadow you. This is something I really want to do. And they took a chance on me, which I appreciate to this day. It's a big thing for me of giving chances, mentoring where you can. This is not a field where there's a very traditional pipeline to get into. And I started doing all this type of pen testing from web applications to internal tests to social engineering, where I had to put on hard hats and sneak through the walls of a building. Really fun stuff. And then from there, I moved to doing some incident response work and then circling around finally to the defensive side. I got so tired of seeing everyone getting hacked, everyone kind of not listening to what the consultants even say. And I said, well, I could do it. How hard could it be? Very difficult, yes, <laughs> but very fun. And I've kind of cycled around doing pretty much most roles within security at this point. And now I'm in the phase where I'm building programs, and it is just fascinating to see each company very different with what you need to do, how you need to do it, and the challenges you face. So I'm here because it's fresh and fun. That's awesome. And you mentioned you kind of started from a consulting perspective. And why do you think this is a good way to start your career in cybersecurity? I think it was very helpful for me because I got exposed to a lot of different areas in security. Especially when you're consulting, you have to learn how things work to learn how threat actors will go after them and try to break through. You learn about different technologies, and you're exposed to so many different areas. I had to do learn about security architecture. I had to learn basic coding and scripting, which I had never really learned before. I had to learn from the business angle, why are we making certain decisions? How are we doing this? Why are we deploying things certain ways? And by working on different clients, you get exposed to different industries, different strategies. 
I pen tested both web applications. I even did some mainframe testing, some operational technology. So you get exposed to so many different areas than you would if you just start in one company kind of doing the same thing in the same department for years. I hadn't thought about it, and it's not something we talked about in the podcast before, but I do think that the consulting angle is a a perfect way to get broad exposure to, you said it perfectly, both the technical side, but the business side and the connections of how all these things interact. Like when you go from academics to start working, you might, you're kind of uh, stovepiped into some of these, hey, I've got to learn how to do this. I've got to learn how to do that. But consulting and working for a company, you can see how it works and quote, unquote, I hate the term, but you know, how does it work in the real world? You know, (laughs) you can kind of see how they all interact. So it totally makes sense. I mean, what I found with consulting also is when you're working at an enterprise or pretty much any company, security is a consultant internally anyways. You're consulting to the business side. You're consulting to the technology side. Where I think consulting really helped me is being able to talk to a board of directors and explain what happened and what the problem is in very non-technical terms. And then immediately pivot, talk to the engineering teams in very deep technical terms. Here's what happened. Here's how we need to fix it. And just taking those skills to the enterprise and saying, we consult our customers, our the business stakeholders, our users, that mindset, I think, has helped me a lot in my career. So the next question, can you think of a situation with a client, obviously no names, but where you realize the importance of cybersecurity and your impact and your ability to really help that client? There's been a few fun ones. One of them I could think of was a financial services client and we found a major vulnerability where millions of dollars in assets could have potentially been siphoned off. Thankfully, we did not find that to have been exploited because we immediately started looking and seeing what would happen if we did that and can we detect if someone else did. But finding something like that that's exposed online that anyone with a computer can do was kind of a light bulb moment of it's not the most sophisticated attackers. It's not what you see glamorized in certain movies or other media. It's basic issues, basic mistakes can cause massive amounts of harm. And that's where I saw that cybersecurity, if you partner properly with the business, you could catch a lot of this beforehand. The reason that vulnerability had even made it out there was that security only did periodic reviews of deployments and didn't give developers any tools to use to actually assess their own code. They wanted it all within security's silo. And what happens then is you have a lot of stuff that gets pushed out with vulnerabilities just waiting for security to select that application for a review. A powerful example of your impact on a business and helping them protect millions of dollars. I think the unfortunate thing in that story is the business probably doesn't truly appreciate it because if they lost the millions of dollars, then they'd be like, wow, why why didn't we do something about it? But because you solved it, they're like, oh, that's what's supposed to happen, right? It worked perfectly. What I would say there is the biggest moment for me where security's impact was felt is I was brought onto a sales call. Instead of trying to treat security as a cost center, we were actually treated as, hey, our company's doing stuff that kind of other companies do. Let's bring security on the call and make our clients feel that we're taking it seriously. We know what we're doing and it's front of mind. And we actually won business, sometimes solely from customers who said, honestly, the service we're getting is going to be the same between these companies. But I felt safer here. Yeah, that's an awesome story. 
So you've told us that one of the most important parts of cybersecurity success is knowing how to, how to ask questions. Can you kind of expand that on what you mean by that? There's a couple of different ways I view this, but asking questions is one of the best ways to learn. I was asking questions constantly when I was doing pen testing. I'm with more senior people who know a lot more. I was like, how do we do this? How did this happen? How did an attacker do this? How can I be better? How can I evade detection better so I can do a better job testing? And asking a lot of questions, I learned, okay, well, this is how the system works. This is why things happen a certain way. When I'm hiring, I look for someone that asks questions because they're curious. They want to learn. They want to grow. They want to improve. Some of my best hires got questions wrong on interviews, but then immediately asked, I didn't even know this. Can you please explain it to me? Even if I don't get this, I want to know for, to improve myself. And that was amazing. The other area where asking questions is important is, especially as you move up in leadership, you're not going to be hands-on with everything all the time anymore. You have to know the right questions to ask to drive your team, to drive the decisions, but you're not going to be able to be the one on the keyboard all the time. So knowing those right questions helps steer the direction of the, of the company, of the function, much better than just blindly delegating and hoping for the best. Great advice. And I think it comes underlying is don't be afraid to ask the question. I've done some guest lecturing and I always say to students, if you've got a question, chances are half the, half the class has the same question. Just got to have the courage to go ask it. To your point, as somebody, I don't want everybody to pretend to be the smartest person in the room. So ask those questions, be, be a little vulnerable. That tells you, know, you and I when we're interviewing or when we're working with our teams that, hey, those are people that are just, they're intuitively intelligent and by constantly exploring and not being afraid of saying, hey, I don't know that, but I'm going to go learn it and I'm going to become the expert on it. So I think that's a, that's a great way to, to think about it. And cybersecurity is changing so fast. It's so dynamic that you can't be an expert. So to pretend to be an you're an expert for an hour on any subject, and then the, the bad guys figure out something new, and then bam, we got to get online, we got to get on Twitter, we got we got to get with our friends, and we got to learn something new and figure out how to, to fix it. So I think yeah, I, I love that idea of just asking questions and just being just constantly exploring new, new ideas. And it's something that I see a lot at the executive level too, where you see a lot of these successful executives that think, okay, how did they get there? How can I get there? And when running tabletop exercises in particular, I noticed whenever there's a term someone was unfamiliar with, whenever we're talking about a different department's function, there was curiosity at the executive side. They're asking questions like, well, why are you doing it that way? I'm not questioning you as to that it's wrong or right. I want to know for myself so I can make more informed decisions or maybe learn something I can take back. And those are some of the most successful tabletop exercises we've done where we sometimes didn't really get through most of the presentation because they keep asking questions and uncover things they didn't know about their own company, their own products, and use it to improve. Well said, absolutely. So last question, you told us that most hiring managers are not good at finding cybersecurity candidates. Why do you think this and what do you think they should be doing uh, to be better at it? Part of the problem I think in hiring is HR companies will typically outsource to benchmark on compensation, skill sets, capabilities, and a lot of job descriptions don't accurately reflect what the work will be. I have seen job descriptions posted for companies I've worked at where I knew the hiring manager, and I asked, did you actually write that? Is that what you want them to do? And they looked at it and said, oh, I guess HR tweaked it. 
And then I've also seen times where the hiring managers just say, I don't have much budget, so I'm going to throw a laundry list of qualifications that someone needs to have and hope I get it. The problem is if someone sees that and the candidate goes, I only have 50% of that, I'm not going to apply. And I think that budget issue has really hurt the industry where people don't hire as much entry-level talent and good talent because they say, I only have two slots. I need someone who has eight years experience and has done this and this, whereas some of my absolute best hires are people that didn't even come from cybersecurity or were trying to break in entry-level, whether they were from the help desk, from a finance department. There's a lot of potential out there. And I think waving away degree requirements, which a lot of companies do now, that's awesome. I've had people work for me that did not have college degrees that I would hire at every single company I go to. So I think it's just broadening your scope of what you look for, taking a more active role and being a little more flexible in what you actually think you need. You hit on a couple of points. One is that that idea of do you fit the criteria? I've read uh, a couple of articles about male versus female. Males will apply for jobs even if they, they don't fit 50% of the criteria. And females will tend to only apply if they hit 99 to 100% of the criteria. So everybody should apply for the job. If you have passion for that and you don't fit all the criteria, apply for the job. You, you absolutely should. And I think the other piece of it is is the industry has this dynamic. I mean, with a podcast, it's all about helping attract more talent to the cybersecurity industry because we have this dearth of 1.3 million positions on a worldwide basis. The listeners are probably tired of me saying this, but when we uh, hire or post for an entry-level, no experience necessary position in our SOC, we get 4,000 applicants. So there's not a shortage of people, entry-level people, looking to get into this industry. I think we, you know, the Rapid Sevens, the IBMs, the Palo Altos, the small companies like ThreadX, the industry uh, hiring, we've all got to get better at hiring entry-level people and being willing to train them. And to your point, like, they're going to come in. They're going to come in young, eager, ambitious, and they're going to be a sponge of knowledge And if we create that environment, we're going to fill these 1.3 million positions in no time because I know there's lots of young people out there or not even people making career changes, people coming out of the military. Again, I I mentioned Rapid7. I'll mention Rapid7 again. I I was down in their Tampa office and and met uh, a gentleman that had transitioned from the military, the senior person that was hosting me there. We walked away and he said, he's one of our top guys. That's the level of uh, talent that is out there if you can figure out ways to harness that energy. So, yeah, I think it's great guidance that you're giving to all hiring managers that we've got to open our aperture and be more more willing to take people that maybe don't have the experience because there aren't enough eight-year, 10-year, 15-year veterans in this industry, but there are plenty of people just coming out of college or maybe they're an IT help desk or they're in consulting of some other industry, they want to get into cyber, that we've got to be more willing to and open to bring them into our industry for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I've had hiring managers tell me they didn't want to hire entry level because they said they're so busy, they need someone who already knows it and will hit the ground running. But you also then kind of get into this groupthink model of hiring the people like you, that you're looking for, that reflect you. And that's not that help. Like two of my best hires, one of them I hired for threat intelligence, she came from a finance side and she, during the interviews, I'm pretty sure she still stole one of my uh, security books 
I was being asked questions about Metasploit and how do you use Kali for X, Y, and Z? I was like, you know more about this than some security people I've met. Or more recently, I had a great technical program manager and she worked in sales at a vendor beforehand and had transitioned from the government. Kick ass. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but <laughs> you can, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely amazing technical program manager. And it's the way that I think hiring can work is understand what are the attributes you're looking for in a candidate? What do you want them to bring to the table? And the technical background is not as important. It's still important. I mean, if you're hiring someone to do reverse engineering for malware, they need some technical expertise there. But in general, find what you need to succeed in the role and you can help build the technical foundation if needed. 100% agree. So, well, thank you very much, Aaron, for your time today. I knew you'd be a great guest and really appreciate all the new knowledge that you've shared on our podcast. As a reminder to our listeners looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one year free of content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreadX Academy, with the promo code podcast. ThreadX Academy covers a wide variety of cybersecurity topics. You can learn more by going to academy.threadx.com. Also check out a recent episode with Yuri DeGenes, author of Building a Career in Cybersecurity. We just recently did an interview with him and he's his new book uh, is doing really well and we're giving away copies of the book. So tune into that episode to get details and find out how you can get, potentially get a copy of that book. And finally, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website, threadx.com. Aaron, thank you again for your time and for being such a great guest on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.